Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I would also say, you know, in, yeah, bringing it to film, that when mm-hmm. you get movies that do use temperature to enhance what they're, yeah. what they're doing, it can be really powerful. Like It always brings to mind Do the Right Thing, uh, the Spike Lee film, because it's on that really, really hot day. Yeah. And it kind of just adds to the tension of everything. Yeah, and, you're yeah, right. It really, really bolsters the film. Yeah, it, um, it yeah. gives it a clammy sort of claustrophobic feel doesn't it when you watch the film so yeah that is a good example of where the weather is used well in in films and, it, and you know it does work very well when you use it in the right way likewise in seven when it's raining all the time and it just makes you yeah. feel like the world is you know full of sin and horribleness i so. know i know it does the job doesn't it really does the job you know there, there like is an extra quite, character it's a mood control isn't it that directors can use now absolutely yeah. um but we have a jam-packed show, as always, oh, yeah. if I'm honest, because, yeah. Brian, you, bless you, go off and do lots and lots of watching for us. Yeah, I do my um, best. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to UK Film Club, uh, welcome. And as you can probably already tell from the prattling that me and uh, Brian engage with, it's a very mm. casual affair. It's mm-hmm. very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. But we will be covering lots and lots of different films uh, because Brian goes and sees lots of films at the cinema, which he's going to review first. Mm-hmm. Then we'll do uh, a big film from the streaming platforms. 
Then we've got a couple of shorts, indie short films, and then we'll finish up with what's called our nostalgia pick. And this month's nostalgia pick is a Tom Hanks film, uh, mm. Big, from 1988. Yeah. So we'll get to yeah. that. Um, but first up on my list for you, Brian, was yeah. Hypnotic. Oh, right. Okay. Go on then. <laughs> Hypnotic. Let's get this one out of the way. Oh, it's like that, is it? Uh, oh, it's okay. a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit. Bit of a milestone, this one. It's the first film I've reviewed on the podcast that I haven't actually liked. Chris, it didn't hypnotize me. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a bit early in the show to go for a, go for a terrible pun, but I thought, let's get it out of the way. You know? I enjoyed that way too much. Yeah. Anyway, uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez, it stars Ben Affleck, Alice Braga, and William Fitchner. The storyline, as I understand it, anyone listening, please feel free to correct me, but here goes. Police detective Danny Rourke is in recovery following a series of emotional meltdowns. He tells a therapist how the disappearance of his daughter Minnie led to the breakdown of his marriage. He's judged fit for duty and joins his partner on a stakeout. They're watching a bank when an unknown individual begins to instruct those around him. A robbery appears to be in progress, but Rourke is drawn to a safety deposit box inside the bank. He finds a picture of his daughter with a simple message, find Lev Dallarine. Rook pursues the assailant as mayhem surrounds them, but somehow avoids his grasp. A series of mind-bending events lead into a psychic called Diana Cruz. They have an immediate connection and join forces to find Delarine, who they believe holds the key to Minnie's disappearance. Okay, so that's the story, I think. <laughs> there might be more to it than that. There might be less. It's dealing with alternate realities, the state of consciousness, fantasy, illusion, it might be in his head. He might be dreaming. But then again, maybe not. It tries to be clever, but it's just downright annoying. This is not why I go to cinema. Some people might, but me personally, this is not why I go. I came out with a really, really bad headache. It's not how I expect to feel. Uh, that's the kind of film it is. I think it's um, polarised opinion. Some people love it. Others hate it. So it has Marmite qualities. But it, frankly, it didn't work for me. I wasn't feeling it. It just wasn't happening. It's just too difficult. It's too much hard work, really. Hmm. There's, I mean, you look at the cast list, and I'm thinking, you know, this oh, should yeah. be all right. You know, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I love William Fickner. He's a, a, yeah. a classic. But it does have all the hallmarks of that type of film that, on paper, it probably sounds sort of fairly interesting. You know, like, okay, you know, we've got this set up. Um, mm. but the execution feels that maybe they've just absolutely bungled it. And from what you've said, sounds yeah. as if, if you've come away feeling like that, then yeah. it's it, not the it's intended outcome. Well, I think it has personality issues, the film itself, because, you know, does it want to be just a kind of conventional thriller, a heist movie? Does it want to be a psychological sort of pot boiler? It never quite makes its mind up and I honestly think Ben Affleck looked confused at times and he wasn't acting I honestly think <laughs> he's confused what's happening here you know you know it's almost like he's kind of almost mentally reaching for the script again as if to say why are we doing this what's my motivation why are we here now again it's it's going to be a film that divides opinion but it's just not I like to be challenged when I see a film but I don't want to be confused <laughs> 
either and deliberately confused it's just it's trying to do too much at once and to me it misses the mark it's a very well-made film but any film with a decent budget now is going to be very well made you know it's going to be visually arresting it's going to be impressive but you tend to look for something a bit more and this for me has something important missing because it's not an easy film to follow but as i say other people will have their views which is fine yeah, and uh, if, again, if you're new to UK Film Club, please do feel free to send in your uh, reviews of any films that we review, because Brian may not be right, you know, I'm Brian right, right. has his opinion, and oh, yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, good luck arguing with him, because <laughs> I'm the only one who has access to Brian, okay, <laughs> um, but no, I think that's um, a fair, you know, your fair review of, of hypnotic uh it's in cinemas uh, i believe so mm-hmm. if you want to go watch that film it's there it's not doing particularly well in the old ratings but hey often and i get told this a lot critics are wrong so hey i know feel free yeah. to go and and you know yeah tell us so that was hypnotic um next up mm-hmm. was the ashling b starring film uh greatest days ah right she is a star, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Ashley Boo's the star. Okay, then, so Greatest Days. This is directed by Koki Gedroich, starring Ashley B, Alice Lowe, Jade Adams, and Amaka Okafor. This film is based on the musical of the same name, which is based on the songs of Take That. So, the story is as follows. 40-something nurse Rachel is anxiously awaiting the result of a radio competition. The prize is four tickets to watch her favourite group, The Boys, perform at a reunion concert in Athens. Much to her shock and delight, she wins, but is in something of a quandary. Her wannabe fiancé, Jeff, naturally assumes he will be on the plane. But Rachel sees it as a means of reuniting with her best friends, whom she hasn't seen in 25 years. We're told the story in flashback and learn what's happened in the girls' lives since then. Now, if you're a fan of Take That, it helps. If you're a fan of musicals, it helps. But even if not, you'll be carried along by the enthusiasm and positivity of the story, renewing friendships, rediscovering youth, connecting with the music we love when we were growing up. It owes a lot to Mamma Mia, which acts as a template in many respects. But in other ways, the film has the edge over Mamma Mia because of the storyline. It's stronger, it's more cohesive, it's more feasible, and it gives it more of an edge because of that. I found it good, light-hearted fun, you know, really good fun, very enjoyable. It's really the antithesis of hypnotic because it's not making you work at all. It's not making you think too much. So it is a bit like, a you know, it's a musical on screen. You, you sense that, you feel it. So very enjoyable, very enjoyable, good fun. You'll like this if you've got an open mind, of course. Yeah, I mean, I... I wouldn't classify myself as a take that fan, but I I I get on board with some of their tracks, and I think yeah. much like any kind of musical, I think if you go in with that sense of you're just going to have fun, forget mm. forget yourself a little bit. Yeah, it looks like it looks like it's a good time. It looks like it's uh, you know, I, one of those easy switch off films. Yeah, I like you. I'm not a, a particularly big fan of take that. I think they've made some great pop records over the years. I am a huge fan of musicals on stage, though. I always feel that musicals lose something when they move onto the big screen. You lose the energy of the live performance. But 
I think Koki Gedroich does a really good job and keeps the pot boiling, keeps it bubbling away. And you can't help but be taken in by it. And this is why, why I think there's a good analogy with Mamma Mia. It does a similar thing. You know, you get drawn in by it. It's just, you know, you, you come out of the film thinking, damn, I didn't really want to like that, but I did. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's good fun. You know, you think to yourself, I'm not going to like this, but it makes you like what you're seeing. And that's the secret of good filmmaking. You know, One of the things for me with musicals is um, when they have no dialogue, when they're just purely music, that's yeah. when I don't really like them. Like yeah. that is for me, it's it feels really contrived that they've had yeah. to like force everything into song. Yeah. Um, and whereas I think when, the music's done right and it kind of fits in and there's a good narrative that's shaped around yeah. it then then i'm fine with it i think it works really well you know because it's it's a genre piece and it's adding to the experience for the viewer but it's still presenting you with a story that yeah. sort of makes sense weirdly enough the one i didn't like a lot was um les mis with russell the really? russell Crowe one which wasn't that long ago everyone loved it but i watched yeah. it and I, I remember just thinking oh just stop singing for a bit yeah. like please just stop singing for a bit because i can't keep up this level of just watching you sing like yeah throughout <laughs> yeah it, it didn't but, get me it, but you see the thing is when a when a musical is sung through where it's there is no spoken dialogue and if i remember rightly the film version didn't have any spoken dialogue was it all sung through I'm just i think trying so to... yeah that's yeah. the example i always think of yeah right so i think that's could that could be the problem it's the same thing with the visa with uh, madonna sung all the way through you 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 don't break it down at all it's just and it feels suffocating in some ways because it's okay on stage when you're seeing it perform live but on film it's it kind of gets around you a bit too much and you want you want some spoken dialogue because spoken dialogue enables you to follow the plot the the songs come in to give to give the plot some legs and to actually carry it forward not where it just dominates the plot. And also, with any jukebox musical, which is what Greatest Days is, Mamma Mia is a jukebox musical, is that they often forget about a plot and a storyline. You know, if you look at the storyline for Mamma Mia, I, I think it was ludicrous. But with Greatest Days, they have thought about it a little bit. And you think, right, OK, this could happen. You know, four girls at school, you know, growing up together, they love... They love this boy band and it's what brings them all together. You know, that kind of makes sense. And the storyline itself is more coherent. So they've made an effort. I like it when they make an effort rather than just copping out and thinking, right, we're just going to throw a lot of money at this piece and just build, just stage individual songs. And, but it doesn't do that great stakes. So I think it deserves a lot of credit for that. Fair enough. Um, just quickly, Favorite musical of all time for me is South Park the musical. Oh um, right, yeah. If you ever if you ever want to see a musical done right, South Park the musical. Um, I think yeah. they just they just absolutely nailed it. They really did. Um, well, I, it just goes to show though, doesn't it, that musicals on stage and on film have moved on so far. They're not as rigid. They're not in a straitjacket the way they used to be. I mean, a musical had to be uh, a cowboy serenading a girl in a gingham dress you know it's not like that anymore no. you know whilst that has its place you know <laughs> it you need to you need to sort of extend that medium a bit more and make that genre breathe a bit more easily and not be so restricted so the south park south park example is a good it's a good one <laughs> um staying 
within the musical confines, um, mm. your next film. Now, I'm not going to try and pronounce this. It's, oh, it's no. like a, a French name. I'll go, let me know. Let me try. Yeah. <laughs> Chevalier, Chevalier, mm, not quite. Ke- Chevalier, mm, mm. Chevalier, well, Chevalier. I was way off. Uh, think, think, Maurice Chevalier, the French entertainer, actor in the forties and fifties. Chevalier, and it means apparently it means this is something I learned from this film. It's the French equivalent to a knighthood, Chevalier. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Did you know that? I didn't know that. No, I mean, I'm yeah. still waiting for our knighthoods for services to... Well, uh, yeah, it'll come. Don't worry, it'll come. <laughs> okay. Bide your time. Bide your time. Okay, anyway. So, Chevalier, directed by Stephen Williams, starring Kelvin Harrison Jr., Lucy Boynton, and Samara Weaving. This is the true story of Joseph Bologna, the illegitimate son of an Af- African slave and plantation owner. He gradually rose through the ranks of French society, and became a brilliant violinist, composer, and champion fencer. He was also dubbed Chevalier de Saint-Georges. That's the French equivalent to a knighthood. Uh, Bologna begins as a child prodigy who rapidly excels in a number of disciplines. By adulthood, he's an expert swordsman and clearly has a gift for music. Bologna charms the court of Marie Antoinette, but catches the eye of aspiring singer Mary Josephine. Bologna has aspirations to lead the Paris Opera and must produce an opera himself to secure the position. He wants Mary Josephine to play a leading role. However, their ambitions and desire are thwarted by her cold and controlling husband, Marquis de Montebello. It's my film of the month without a shadow of a doubt. It taught me something new. I love history, but I've never heard of Joseph Bologna. I'm embarrassed, but hey, I've been educated and informed. It's a wonderful film. But it will probably die a death. It won't last long in general release. It's the way things are. But an amazing film. And you feel wiser as a result. Brilliant. Wow. Absolutely right. loved well, it. You heard it here first. That's Brian's film of the month. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and as you said, it probably will disappear fairly quickly. You know, even based on a couple of films we've got left to review, you know kind of what's going to linger in the oh, cinema. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. A film like this often won't get the the time it, it deserves but yeah. also yeah we live in the land of streaming so it won't be long before people are able yeah. to pick this up and it does yeah. sound like a really a really fascinating film it's brilliant i mean again maybe some some people don't want a history lesson when they go to the movies maybe that's not what they want but for me it's a bonus to learn something i i knew nothing about and to be entertained by a really rich compelling period drama it's a treat for me. It really is. But again, we're all we're all different. We all look for something different. But what I would urge listeners to do is to give it a chance and and watch this film because it's it's a marvelous film and it won't get it probably won't get the attention that it deserves. But that's just the way things are. But I think one of the reasons why we we have Film Club is that we can draw attention to films like this that may may get overlooked. Absolutely. There you go. Moving on swiftly, mm-hmm. uh, swiftly to the Flash. Um, oh, right. You see what I did there? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah very good. Yeah. Now, intrigued to hear what you think of this. Uh, obviously, yeah. big title, big film, lots of mm. promos and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Would you say you're a superhero film fan, Brian? No, I'm. I'm being absolutely truthful when I say that I'm not. But 
you know, I am a film fan full stop and I will see whatever's out there. You know, my only qualm with um, Marvel and DC and franchising in general is the frequency of films in this genre, which tends to to destroy the appeal. But, you know, I will watch what's out there and give it a fair crack of the whip, you know. Um, But anyway, um, directed by Andy Muschietti, starring Ezra Miller, Sasha Cowell, Michael Shannon, and a host of cameos that you will have great fun spotting as as you go along. Uh, The storyline, Barry Allen is a forensic scientist on a mission to expose failings in the justice system. His father is languishing in jail following a miscarriage of justice. Henry Allen was wrongly convicted of his mother's murder. When Barry was a child, however, a lab accident during a thunderstorm gave him special powers and a new alter ego. As the Flash, he becomes a member of the Justice League alongside Batman and Superman. But Barry is still tortured by his father's imprisonment. His superpowers enable him to go back in time. So why not alter events that led to his mother's death? He seeks counsel from Bruce Wayne, who warns him not to disturb the past. But since when did superheroes do as they're told? (laughs) I really enjoyed this. As I said, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, Visually, it's stunning to look at. And there is, I think there's a really nice storyline cooking away in the background. And the the breaks in the action allow you to to absorb the storyline, which is good. As I said just now, I've been critical of franchising in the past, particularly DC and Marvel films. But as as I said, I want to reiterate that I am a film fan full stop and I will watch whatever's out there. There are just too many of these films being made. I, I read a stat recently that there have been 55 comic book movies. When, and when they say comic books, you know, I, th- I believe they're talking about Marvel and DC films. There have been 55 films made in the last 10 years. And that, for me, is too much. It's too, too much. If there were one or two a year, I'd love it. I'd, I'd say it was brilliant. But it kind of, you know, when I, when I ranked it, I gave it three stars. It lost a star for me because there are so many out there. There are so many films like this. Not only that, you've got this kind of continual... Um, diet of films on the big screen you've also got the small screen as well there's a a flash tv series so there seems to be no less up and it i was convinced the bubble would burst but it hasn't you know it seems to be more popular than ever but i think for the sake of quality control they should probably make fewer which i'll never do because they make too too much money but i enjoyed it though i liked it a lot i think with the because i I talk quite a lot about these films and stuff like that and the fatigue that everyone has got through yeah well i think once uh infinity war finished i think mm. everyone did feel a bit of like oh do you know what? we built towards that and now everything else is just kind of yeah aftermath and yeah like i say pulling it into tv it just felt like if you couldn't keep up if you can't keep up with the unrelenting releases and staying on top of everything and, and all that stuff that you were missing out but i do feel that the quality has suffered it's it's a quantity yeah. not quality approach that they've got yeah and i've watched quite a few of the recent ones on disney plus you know watching the shows and the films mm. and stuff and none of them have the spark of intrigue that the films pre 
uh, Infinity War had. Like mm. going right the way back to like Iron Man, like, I was so into Iron Man. I loved Iron Man. I thought it was great. Then yeah. like you had all these characters. Some of them were familiar, and some weren't. And but you kind of really got into it. But now it feels that it is just a machine pumping them out, and yeah. there's no heart there. There's no real. No uh, attempt to make them joyful. It just yeah. feels like they go. They know they've got a captured audience. They know people are watch it, and they know that, like you said earlier about a different film, you said, you know, of course the film is going to be alright. It's got a decent budget. Of course they're yeah. going to be able to pull it together and, and yeah. scrape a three star film together. But that is yeah. not what they should be trying to do. They should be trying to like elevate this above and make it better. But I don't know. I. I I can't really get excited about them anymore, even with the the nonstop cameos that are always quite funny. But yeah, I it's, think it's not are. enough yeah. for to me to no. actually really really care about it. But uh, it sounds at least that the Flash is worth a watch, though. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a decent film. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the the fact. I mean, I think you're a bigger fan. It's. I think you're a bigger fan of, of the genre than I am. And as I as I said before, I I will watch them, but I won't watch all of them. Because I feel like I've got the measure of it if I watched the trailer and I thought, oh, that's enough. But The Flash drew me in a bit more because it's got Batman in it, right? <laughs> it's, I mean, anything with Batman is fine by me, you know. But, you know, of course it works. But it, again, like you say, it can leave you a bit cold. But the fact that someone like yourself who is, generally speaking, a big fan, even you're getting slightly tired of them because there's just no variation. But... They're only reacting to demand, right? I mean, what I always come back to is uh, your local cinema. Look at your local cinema and see how many showings they have for a particular film, right? Something like The Flash, there'll be there'll be 25, 30 slots a day. For something like Chevalier, for example, or Great Days, there might be two or three. That tells you everything you need to know. The fact that they can still fill 10 or 15 screens with multiple showings every day for maybe three or four months, maybe longer, shows that people aren't getting tired of it. They can't be. By definition, they can't be. And I find that difficult to understand. I mean, surely we all get bored of something eventually, you know. You know, I mean, I couldn't watch too many films like Chevalier because I need to see something different. It's the same thing, you know. I think that is the crucial element though is that when you're talking about a, a, a historic film or something dealing with something from the past that it, yeah. it's always so different i mean i suppose the only thing that it is akin to would be like war films like you know how many films have we seen about world war Two, and yet they yeah. still managed to bring new ones out that have fa- yeah. we reviewed one on the very first film club i think was the, we did yeah uh, all along uh, all quiet on the western front yeah and um, right, yeah. which was a fascinating film but like you Brilliant. said earlier that actually yeah. But maybe bringing out one or two a year it, that it isn't you're not being kind of bombarded with them. Whereas yeah. with this, it does feel like they just all feel the same. It just feels like um, it feels like mainstream pop. It's like they just all right, we need another release, quick yeah. release something. Else. I know there's That's not right, really need... much more thought to it than that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, if you if you look at next month, it's got to be a massive month, really, because we've got Indiana Jones, we've got Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, but Mission Impossible and uh, Indiana Jones are good examples of franchises that they don't, in my opinion at least, they don't flog too much. They'll leave a bit of a gap, 
I mean, with Indiana Jones, maybe 10, 15, 20 years or whatever. <laughs> but even with Mission Impossible, though, they leave a gap of, say, four or five years before they do it again. You know, and the quality is still there, but we, yeah, we'll get on yeah. to, to Mission Impossible. Yeah. But um, all right, well, let's move on from The Flash because he, they have enough time. They get enough screening. So yeah, let's not, let's not talk about them anymore. No. Um, but I am very excited about this next film that you're going to review because it's Wes Anderson. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Back with Asteroid City. Go for it, Brian. Yeah, okay. So, directed by Wes Anderson, uh, starring Jason Schwartzman, Tom Hanks, Scarlett Johansson, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton. And many, 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 many. Yeah, it more. goes on and on. That it goes, is. yeah, it goes on and on. But it's a fantastic cast. Take it, take it as read. So the story, briefly, Asteroid City lies on the dust tracks of the Nevada desert and owes its existence to the aforementioned rock that once fell in the area. With a population of 87, the expected tourist expansion hasn't quite materialised. Roads have been left half built, and real estate is sold from a vending machine. One of the few attractions is a stargazing event and the occasional atom bomb test. A gloriously mixed bag of characters pass through, more by accident than design, and are caught in a strange turn of events. Everything is seen through the prism of a 1955 TV show broadcasting a play entitled Asteroid City. You know you know what, Chris? I think in years to come, historians will look back at the films of Wes Anderson and say Asteroid City is one of his best. Wow. It's a, yeah, it's a very, very good film. It's got all the classic hallmarks, quirky, offbeat characters. I love the way he uses colour, light and sound. The care taken over every shot, every frame. It's beautiful. It's, it's exquisite. It really is. So it's up to Anderson's usual standard. In my opinion, it ranks with Grand View, the Pest Hotel. Um, it's as good as that. The Royal Tenenbaums, it's one of his best. You kind of know what you're getting with Wes Anderson, but hey, what's wrong with that? Because you've got a beautifully made, almost work of art in front of you. It's lovely. It's a lovely film. And it's very I, funny in places as well. I think you're right about the colour. Like Colour for me, like, as soon as you see a poster for a Wes Anderson film, you know it's his because you're like, no yeah. one else uses that type of palette and that that type of vibrancy. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it has that almost nostalgic quality oh, yeah. of film Absolutely. and you know, transporting you to, to maybe like a different time, but not not in a cynical way or anything like that. He's so kind of like yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, it's got that offbeat charm that you just. Mm. You, no one else can create that. No one else yeah. can even come close, which is why he attracts so many people to his films. Yeah. It's like well, the poster for this. I saw the poster for this yeah. in, um, on the tube. Where was I? London Bridge, I think. And it was, I was just there for a, a good minute, just reading all the names that yeah, were in right. it. And I thought, oh, brilliant. You see, the thing is, that's a, that gives you an idea of the stasis that, that Wes Anderson has. Because if, if you know, if the Hollywood glitter you know that Wes Anderson's making a film, you know they're, they're you know they're going to be on their phone to their agents and say I want a part in this, even if it's only two or three minutes. I want a part in it, and you can see why. You can see why. You know there are so many great little cameos that that kind of just capture you. Brian Cranston plays the host of the TV show, right? And he he plays it in the style of Ed Morrow, you know the old American 1950s TV interviewer. He plays it like that, and it kind of fades to black and white when he comes back in. And at one point in the film, Scarlett Johansson's there talking to one of the other characters, and they both look to their right, and I think, and it's it's Brian Cranston in colour, and he said, "Ah, oh, should I be here?" 
And they've both gone, no, no, no. Oh, okay. He, he, he dodges off again. And it's great. I love those little kind of subtle sort of visual gags that are, are just gently ticking over. You know, it's great. I love it. I love this sort of thing. And it's it's a film that, that deserves to be seen. And, and you have to see this on a big screen. Have to. Because it will lose something. All films do. But this film particularly... It's so important for you to see on a big screen. Well, if that isn't enough to get you going, I don't know what would. Mm. Um, so those are the cinema releases that we're covering for this month. Uh, thank you, Brian, for going That's to right. see all those. Um, sounds like mostly a pleasure for you. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, with one notable exception. But, yeah, you know. Yeah. That's what I'm prepared to do for Film Club. You see, I will suffer. Yeah, you got a headache from it. You know, I got a headache. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I got a headache. That's yeah. I pushed the boundaries, me. Yeah. So whilst Brian was out doing all that, working really hard and traipsing across London to different screenings, yeah. I sat at home and just watched Extraction Two on the oh, sofa. Right. So mm. I have seen this. Have you seen this, Brian? Yes, I have, and I saw uh, Extraction One as well. Did you had you seen it before? Or did you watch it for this? No, I watched it for this because I I started to watch Extraction Two and the first, the opening frames it was obvious it was following on from Extraction One, so I thought why not let it's there it's on Netflix I'll see Extraction One first and I followed it with Extraction Two so yeah, I, I think it's both. worthwhile because yeah I, I, like I say it's easy to sort of just catch up and there's a, there's a few elements that are kind of being mentioned in the second film that pertain to that first one so it's worthwhile but for those who don't know the extraction world um it stars chris hemsworth if you haven't seen him splashed all over your netflix screen Mm. who plays tyler rake a particularly talented um soldier or ex-soldier who has a penchant for being able to recover people uh from very very difficult situations in the first film a little bit of a spoiler so if you haven't seen the first one maybe skip forward a couple of minutes um Mm -hmm. he he manages to complete his mission but essentially you think he's dead at the end Mm. because he kind of gets shot shot a few times and falls off a bridge yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Which uh, I think that would be enough to do me in. I don't think. Oh I'd yeah. Come back from that. What about you, Brian? Can you survive that one? Oh, I don't know. I mean, we know how resilient the human body could be, but I mean, I'm only a mere mortal. I, I don't think. I, I, I mean, sometimes anyone... I struggle to get up if I've slept funny, so I'm not <laughs> sure bullet wounds and falling from bridges yeah. is my is my bad. Really. You know what? When we get to extraction five or six, and I'm sure we will get there, I think we'll find out that Tyler Rake is is a robot or AI yeah. or, or something. Or or was he or, dreaming like Ben Affleck? Yeah. Oh yeah, it could be. Maybe it was all a dream. Because how does anyone survive any of that? <laughs> um, so he does come back at the beginning of two, and uh, has a sort of long period of uh, rehabilitation. Lots of <laughs> lots of working out scenes they felt quite retro actually him doing the old push-ups and yeah all that stuff. it felt yeah. like a throwback to like rocky or something yeah i know no, yeah yeah i suppose there's that kind uh, of vibe going on there isn't there yeah and then he's he's sort of stronger than ever really um yeah. and then he is kind of struggling with his new chapter i guess because he didn't really know where he's going but turns out there is a mission that he should get involved with yeah. um because I believe is it it's like his sister-in-law or something. Um, yeah, trying to work yeah. out the connection. His sister-in-law yeah. 
has been living inside a prison with her family because she's married to a mobster yeah. who has to be there, but he's got such clout in the country that he's able to sort of keep his family in there that, with him. That's it. That's about yeah. the size of it, I think. Yeah. Um, so Tyler Rake's mission is to go in and extract the mum and her two kids. Yep. Get them away from this monster, as well as all the gangs and everything else within the prison, yeah. um, and get them to safety. And as you can imagine, all hell uh, unfolds. Yeah. Brian, what did you think of Extraction Two? Well, uh, the C word springs to mind. Oh, no, which not, one? <laughs> no, not that one, and not that one either. I was thinking composite. You know, oh. it's the, it, I bet you're relieved, aren't you? I was um, very relieved. I thought he's not yeah. going there, is he? No. Uh, Competent is a word that always springs to mind with a film like this because they're very well put together. You know, they must have some really elaborate story balls to work out every move, every combat scene. It's brilliantly staged, but it does feel a bit like an, an action movie by numbers to me. You know, that it's not really offering you anything new. You know, you've got a very vague backstory that's a theme running through both films. That's why it's advisable to see the first one. There, there is a very faint sort of backstory running through the fact that he is an army veteran. He's a commando, a veteran of the Afghanistan conflicts, I think. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. And it just all seems a bit too predictable, you know, that particularly if you've seen the first one as well, you know, that you think, well, he's going to get through this. And he does it literally single-handed. In fact, at one point, I know we're talking about the second one, but in the first film, his arm's in a sling for part of the time. And he's managing to fight 30 or 40 assailants off. But then again, he's tied a rake, isn't he? <laughs> I, I think we, we're, we're beginning to discover a new superhero. But look, it works. It does the job. But it... it there's something missing there for me. It's not really giving you anything that's different or original. You know, the fact that that Tyler Rake is an an army veteran, 
you know, why not make a film about a real-life army veteran? Someone like Johnson Bihari, for example, the guy that won the VC in the, in the Gulf, the Iraqi war. Now, Netflix were going to make a film based on his book, but it didn't get anywhere. Instead, Netflix uh, are putting their money into a film like this that, that's going to make money. It is. Again, it goes back to giving people what they want. This is what people want to see. Having said that, it's not really doing anything that we haven't seen before. Although it's very competent and it's very well done. But you could say that about a lot of films, Chris. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it more than you. Um, I, I, it's, it is predictable and it is, you have to suspend disbelief. You know, he would have never made it through the, the things that he makes it through. Um, I think what I liked more about it was that you've given some very, very good set pieces. I mean... Mm. Um, oh, yeah, good. Definitely. I, I tell you what actually impacted my viewing of this film. There was two things that impacted it. First off, I saw a one-star review for it on The Guardian, and I thought, oh, me and Brian are reviewing this? Like, yeah. oh, gosh, like, you know, one star. I, I, don't um, think it's, I don't think it's that bad. I, I, think, it, I think that was very harsh. And I, yeah. so I think I went in with very sort of low expectation thing gosh yeah. you know, that must have been terrible but it's nowhere near as bad as they made it sound um the second thing was about this whole there's a very very long shot action sequence during the prison scene yeah. um and it's like a one take-esque thing and you know, the camera's roving with him i did notice as soon as it kicked in i was like oh it's they're doing that they're, the camera's going to follow them now yeah and I actually thought that was really good. I thought, yeah, I'm always impressed when filmmakers try something like that because it's ambitious, it's interesting, you know, I like that. Um, I think the best one I ever saw was in The Raid. I think The Raid did it. Right. And there's a fight scene. If you haven't seen The Raid, I 100% recommend it. It's amazing. Um, and that is actually something that puts this in its shadow. Yeah. You know, The yeah. Raid is like up there, top tier action. Yeah. If that's what you like, then, then watch yeah. The Raid. Um, but with this, it's got... Chris Hemsworth, and I, I don't think you know he's not doing his usual sort of Thor shtick. Like it's not full yeah. of loads of like one-liners and things like that. It's more he is kind of playing it more down to earth. I, I think it's probably falling more on the side of drama than it should do. Like it's trying to be a bit too serious at times because you know when you've got a character that does just get back up all the time, yeah. you sort of think like, all right, well it's pastiche now. You're you're, you're in the land of like Fast and the Furious where mm. you know, everyone should be dead, but they kind of try and say this is more serious than it was. And I don't know, but I do think there's a, an element here of like, do you know what, if you're going to do an action film, as you say, make it competent, make it something yeah. that you are, it's <clears throat> going to hold together for the most part. I do think this one does suffer from chapterness. Like it kind of, I try not to give it away, but they, mm. all right, listeners, it's a bit of a spoiler here, but so they get out of the prison and that mm. happens and then they have another sort of run in and it's like almost like moving from chapter to chapter of like oh really oh they're doing it again <laughs> like yeah, i know whereas you sort of think just go and hide like yeah. why, are you, why are you doing i know, that? I know. Um, and it that kind of got to me a little bit and then yeah there's lots of stuff where you're watching it going well surely the police would be here by now like yeah. where are they um i know it's 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 fun and it's mindless and yeah there's an element of emotional depth there, like because you find out a bit more about him and his son and things like that. that I think yeah. that was kind of lended a bit more to it, but there's certainly not enough here to make it extraordinary. 
Yeah, I, I think what's interesting though is that the the backstory is beginning to unravel slightly. So in Extraction Two, you learn more about Tyler Rake than you did in Extraction One. So poss possibly with subsequent films, you know, more of that story will open up. That's what I'd like to see it do. You know, I always preach the story. You know, it's storytelling. Any film you make, any film you're telling a story, right? And I like to see the story breathe more amongst all the action, you know, like with The Flash, right? They let the story breathe. You know, there was a break in the action. You had some narrative. You pick up the story. You invest in the characters more. That's what I'd like to say. I think, I think as a, a franchise, it has potential, but they need to let the story breathe a bit more. And I think there's a lot more to Tyler Rake as a character they can bring out. And they're starting to do that in the second one. So I, I think it's showing some promise, but... There is something very predictable about it and that there isn't anything there we haven't seen, haven't seen before. But, you know, that might be a, a trifling point, a trifling point for most people. There's but, also that element of um, generational gaps, right? Because these films feel very familiar. Actually, funny enough, you mentioned like Mission Impossible earlier and mm. things like that. But there's always going to be those generations of you know, viewers coming along. And for them, this might be the first action film they've ever seen. And you think, because Chris Hemsworth in it, maybe they saw him in the superhero films and they're like, yeah. oh, what's what's he in? It's a very, like, well put together film. And it does it does a lot of the stuff that action movies did, you know, back in the days of, like, Arnie and stuff yeah. like that. You know, well, it's, it's doing that, I think. Yeah, of course. I mean, you made a very good point there. I, I was just going to say that the, the template for a film like Extraction could be Commando or it could be Rambo, couldn't it, very easily. So you can trace the lineage back to there. So this type of film is nothing new, right? But it's 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 adding a, a modern perspective. It's giving it a, a contemporary spin. But the, the principles on which this film is based were the same as for Rambo or Commando or any of those big action movies back then, you know? But they always had that. They always had that cheeky element, right? There was always a slight cheeky element in those films where it was it was a bit of a, a bit funny, like yeah, this, this humour, yeah, yeah, this humour there. I yeah. think a lot of these modern uh, action films don't do that for fear of it being sent up, like Arnie films were, like made fun of. But well, I think they're fun. I think that's yeah, what I want. But that's that's the idea of them, though. You know, I don't think these films are meant to be taken seriously. So if you give an action hero like Tyler Rake the odd funny line here and there, you know, give him a sense of humour, make the character more likeable and make the brand more likeable as well. You know, that that only makes sense. It, it's got to be tongue in cheek. You know, any action hero is tongue in cheek. You're not meant to take it that seriously. So I think that's OK. You can do that. I'm pretty sure it's been confirmed that there's more of these films to come and yeah. there's a section in the film with, I'm not going to say the actor's name, but a certain character turns around, turns up um, and yeah, I think there's going to be more of these sort of films. So mm. I will definitely watch three uh, if it comes out. Um, but for now, Extraction 2 is available to anyone who mm -hmm. wants to watch it on Netflix. And as Brian has done, you can also watch the first just to catch up if you haven't mm. seen them. Um, okay, that's streaming. We're going to move on now to some indie films because that's what we love doing at UK Film mm. Review. We love championing these filmmakers who pour their blood, sweat and tears into their yeah. movies. And yeah. we come along and just chat about them as if nothing... <laughs> as if well, we yeah, like to exactly. do nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But these films were 
suggested to us by the filmmakers themselves. They've asked us to review them and we will always be kind here. We're not going to tear them apart. And we're also uh, often seeing films that are really great and they're available to watch uh, often online. So um, we're going to review two short films in this section. The first, written and directed by Matt Johns, is A Father's Day. Have you seen this, Brian? Did I have seen it. it? Yeah. I have seen it, yes. Terrific. Um, why don't you give the synopsis on this one? Right, well, this appears to be um, a take on the uh, the zombie character, Walking Dead. That's the vibe I, I got straight away from this film. And it begins with quite a, a graphic scene of some zombies feeding on a on a corpse and a relationship slowly develops between a boy and a girl who are both zombies they're walkers they are they belong to that breed if you like and as the film wears on it begins to become apparent that they're they're showing some affection towards each other and it does give you a an idea of how zombies might might mate what is the mating ritual now whereas back in the day you know a guy would give a girl sort of chocolates and flowers but here you know he gives her a severed hand like you do um but very clever very cleverly put together Uh, but the way it ends kind of surprises me a little bit and i'm still not entirely certain where father's day comes in I was um, just saying, because I, I, I was really enjoying you like give your synopsis, and I'm sat here thinking, oh, Brian doesn't know the key factor. Here. <laughs> no, I don't. Now, so I, it's so the I think because I I didn't know this until I looked up on IMDb that the girl that he sees in the beginning when he's yeah. feasting is his daughter. It's not a mating thing. It's he's ah, her father, and they've they've unexpectedly found each other, now, and so he then takes her on this day, like they go to the park, and as you say, like he pushes the bone back in, like when she hurts her yeah. arm and stuff, um, and they're they're having like this day together, even though they're zombies, and they've sort of forgotten about now, eating corpses. Yeah. Now I I would never have read it that way you know it draws you in it you you, you make you draw conclusions I, I didn't read the write up I saw it cold but now I thought the father you know what I thought the father would have been I thought the father was a guy with a rifle at the end yeah and I think there's obviously the parallel that he's there protecting his daughter and yeah. then he the, the zombie dad is also I to be fair I didn't know that they were related the zombies I thought maybe it was just he was just harboring you know, these kind of paternal feelings yeah. and happen to just want to protect this younger female zombie because he was maybe a dad before. But yeah, apparently I think they were reunited as, as fathers. But I say, maybe it doesn't need to be clarified. Maybe it is a, an element you can take what you want from it. Well, it but could, there well, is a definite um, paternal element to the film. But they look look about the same age, though, the um, the boy and the girl. Again, just my, just my sort of take on it. No. Yeah, I, I do see what you mean. The, the the casting there is a bit confusing because he's not, um, yeah, it's not sort of definitive. Like, I think if he was sort of like visibly a lot older and then she was maybe younger, then I think it would be a bit clearer. Now, but, yeah. now I, I would have thought, you see, this is the way I was thinking. I would have thought the father was the guy with the rifle and the, the, the guy that was with the girl at the beginning was his target for whatever reason. See, I, I'm making up my own stories here. 
but no, look, it was it was very well put together, very well observed, you know. But I got something completely different from it, you know. But again, I didn't read the write up, so um, very well done, though. Very well done. It's, it's got a fantastic uh, production quality to it. It really reminded me of like um, Shaun of the Dead sort of levels of yeah, modern yeah. zombie films, but it it only had it wasn't trying to be very funny like there wasn't a lot of well there wasn't really any comedy in it but there was bits that were kind of like oh that's sort of funny like in terms of like you say, yeah. giving a hand or um yeah when he pushes the bone back in but it being like a really tender moment between two yeah of them. um but i did i really enjoyed the fact that the quality of the film was very high because when it comes to zombie films, actually the next one we're going to review is also a zombie film, that it can really impact your enjoyment of it because it's so reliant on things like great sound, you know, the noises need to yeah. be sort of terrifying, the makeup needs to be obviously on point. And I think with the Father's Day, they've done such an incredible job. The film just looks great. Yeah. And I I would have happily watched a feature for, of this. Yeah. I would have I would have stuck around yeah. for more of this. The opening scene, as I say, it was quite graphic, but I mean, it looked real. Yeah, yeah, it was really re- good. Really you know, good. the um, to me, they've spent a lot on getting that right, of getting it to look right. So, you know, give them the due. It's very well put together, and they couldn't have had a huge budget for this, could they? Really? No, and I, you know, often I'm surprised what people can do um, with with small amounts of money. It's, yeah. it's estimated 10k, which is you know, it's big for a short, but That's what they bad. do with that is actually yeah. the they do a lot and it, it looks the part. And like I say, I think when you watch a film like this and you want to watch more, that yeah. is a true test that it's great. And it, it came out quite a while ago. It came out in 2016, um, but it is available on YouTube. Uh, that's where we watched it. I don't know if that, yeah, it was, um, I think it was on the Alter platform, A-L-T-E-R. They've got mm-hmm. like a YouTube channel. So you can go on, I mean, they've got tons of great short films on there, but look for a father's day. Cause, um, Anyone that's like a fan of this genre, and as you, yeah, you mentioned some absolute classics earlier, this does stand up with them. It says, look, this is a great piece. It's a great mm. short film. Um, and I think it, it playing on this... Um, funny enough, I watched uh, that TV show recently. Oh, gosh, the name escapes me right now because it was based on a game um, mm. where he, you know, this... It becomes a father-daughter sort of journey, even though they're not actually related right. um, in a post-apocalyptic world. That playing on that element, you know, because oh, yeah, it's yeah, like the pro- yeah. protective kind of role that a father would play in yeah. this this type of environment. It really works. Um, I think it was, yeah, brilliantly done, and yeah, I'd really recommend it uh, yeah. if people can find it. Hmm. Um, and as I've mentioned, we're moving on to another zombie-esque film um, with short film Beware. Did you get this to watch this? Yeah, one? I saw. I saw this. Yeah. Yep. So a short one, really short, five minutes. Um, and from the team at Massive Badgers, which is, I mean, mm. that's scary enough, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. Of that. <laughs> no, that's a bit intimidating, though, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think we've reviewed a few Massive Badgers films over the years, and um, they got in touch about this this short beware. The setup is that there's a couple driving in the car, um, and their sat-nav is kind of warning them that 
something is up ahead and it says beware the the man of the relationship doesn't seem to be too bothered whereas the the woman is but they come across a car stalled by the side of the road and they get out and help um, and turns out they're zombies and (laughs) the man becomes a zombie pretty quickly uh, leaving the woman to sort of run and escape and try and elude them she then falls into what i think is a time traveling hole mm. and ends up in the 60s yeah. is that yeah. what yeah. you've got from this brian yeah i think so more more or less it's it's i mean you can tell from my description of the first, first film that you know my 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 first impressions of a film like this aren't necessarily the right ones intended <laughs> by the filmmakers but yeah i think that's that was the idea of it it's so short though i mean it's it's very difficult to get for a filmmaker to make all their points in four minutes. But I think this is deliberately funnier. It tries to be a bit zanier and a bit more off the wall. Whereas uh, Father's Day is a more earnest and a more serious take on the subject matter. But yeah, it was good. It was good fun. They looked like they had a great time making it as much as anything else. Yeah, I think there's there's ambition and then there's trying to do a zombie time travel film in five minutes. Like, I think that's not really what they were trying to do here. I think they were yeah. just having, having fun and experimenting, which is absolutely fine. Yeah, you can't go into this film expecting to be really fulfilled in terms yeah. of what they're presenting. But there are elements to it that are just sort of, it'll make you laugh, I think. Yeah, yeah I think it's more funny than anything else, yeah. I think. It's a, it's a useful promo, isn't it? It's a showcase for their work. That's the way way you'd look at it. But it's kind of like a snippet. It's a vignette, isn't it, of what what they could do if they had, you know, a bigger scale, if they scaled it up more. So, you know, it was good fun. It was good fun. I, I like the, uh, the setup and the concepts of uh, Satnav telling them something extra that they might that wouldn't ordinarily know about. So, yeah, it's good fun. It works. You know, it's it's it does the job. You know, it's 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 doing it, and yeah, good luck to. Them. I'd like to see them do something on a bigger, slightly bigger scale, though. I think yeah, and something is... maybe a little bit more kind of uh, confined. I think yeah. trying to do so much, it it does. It has that aspect of you feeling a little bit shortchanged from it. That you're like, mm. well, what was was this not going anywhere at all? Like it didn't really yeah. sort of land anywhere that i wanted it to but like you say i think you're you're there for the for the laughs really and yeah also i think they're trying a few things out often i think with filmmakers they you they want to do things and try some scenes maybe they've just got something in their head they just want to get it out and they've done it and we live in that world now where people can do that there is an experimental element to a short film though isn't there there always will be and it is trying out a concept a plan an idea you know and all well and good and if you get something reasonably coherent from that then it's job done isn't it really you know and it's drawing drawing attention to their work so i'm all for that you know it's it's a testing ground isn't it you know the these are directors trying to cut their teeth in in a very competitive field on a limited budget but good for them you know um so yeah again available on youtube um if you go search for massive badgers you could probably get some fun YouTube videos there. Well, I was going to say, I mean, mind, mind what you find when you uh, <laughs> when you Google that. Yeah. Yeah, but filter for uh, for channels and you'll find Beware. Um, if not, we'll try and post a link to it uh, somewhere so that you can watch it. As I say, it's five minutes. It's a bit of fun. And I think, you know, 
it's worth it sometimes with indie filmmakers who do do like good stuff. They they try and get stuff out there and that works. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as good as uh, Father's Day. I think you know, dude, you're Day's... talking chalk and cheese there. Really. Yeah, it's the, it's the better of the two. It's more ambitious than it. Even though oh, it's got twice the amount of time, I think I think Father's Day was nine minutes, wasn't it? I think nine or ten minutes. Yeah. But it shows how how productively you can use that screen time, and it, it leaves a bigger bigger impression straight away. So, but you know, especially considering there's, I don't think there's any dialogue is there in Father's Day. No, there isn't. Well, a few yeah. grunts. Few grunts, yeah. Few grunts, yeah. That's about, that's about <laughs> um, it. Yeah. I think, yeah, they, they do a lot uh, emotionally as well. So, yeah. yeah. But both yeah. worth checking out. And weirdly, that we've ended up reviewing two zombie films. I did not even know. I just get sent these films, so I think, oh, I'll just put these two together. <laughs> oh, I, thought two... You, I, thought, I thought you did that, you know, intentionally, Chris. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think yeah, I did. She, yeah, I think she, I was. I was that organised, and I was that. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, let's say you were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on to another zombie film. Um, <laughs> we're, now I'm joking. We are going to review our nostalgia pick. Now, this is a film from... We haven't really set a clear timeline for what's considered a nostalgia pick, but for this, we're going back to the year I was born, you know, wow. 1988. Really? So, you know, Brian was a, a chirpy, what, 75-year-old at that point? Uh, yeah. yeah. What was I? What was I back then? I was. I would have been twenty-three back then. So twenty-three. Yeah, probably the same age as Tom Hanks. Yeah, film. yeah, roughly. I think he's maybe a year or two older. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen Big, it's on Disney Plus. We're going to review it now. And this was a film I remember my brother watching a lot when I grew up, and it was a film that I kind of knew here and there. But I wouldn't say I was infatuated with it but it certainly did remind me of childhood because it was on and you know because my brother yeah. would watch it um i was a big tom hanks fan anyway i like tom hanks films especially yeah. uh from this sort of period had, you had said i think you'd only seen it once was that right brian yeah i saw it when it was first out and yeah. i don't believe i've seen it since until now but it i think it's a good thing in some ways because it's a film that I feel I know well because it's from the 80s and I think the 80s was a a very distinct period for filmmaking. For popular culture, it's very distinct. But I'd only seen it the once. Uh, But seeing it again, it's kind of grown on me. I think it's better than I remember it. I think you pick some great films for the nostalgia slot, Chris, by the way. Uh, For me, this is a fascinating time capsule from the 80s. You know, personal computers that filled up the room, those huge white boxes. Mm-hmm. That used to be cutting edge technology, you know. Um, video, the radio rental market was just getting off the ground back then. It just puts it in some historical context. But I love the film, though. I really like this film. It's so bright and clever, you know. Um, Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Perkins are perfect in their respective roles. I like the setup. You know, Josh is this 14-year-old boy. He's sweet on a girl. Just as he gets to be alone with her, he, he's not big enough to go on the fair go ride. So what does he do? It's obvious what you do, isn't it? You go to a fortune selling machine <laughs> and you say, I wish I was big. I wish I was big enough to get on the fairground ride. And he wakes up as Tom Hanks, doesn't he? And I, I think in some ways you've got to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Again, it's that phrase, isn't it? You know, suspend your disbelief. And just imagine what it would be like if you were a 14-year-old living in the body of an adult. Right. So you get over the minor, the minor sort of uh, aspects of the plot that link everything together. 
he is trying to live in an adult world. He's got a job working at a, I think it's a toy factory, isn't it? Or a toy design company. Company, yeah. yeah. Like that, yeah. And um, two leading characters, Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Perkins. Elizabeth Perkins' character, Susan, is the office vamp, scheming office vamp, who falls in love, basically, with with Josh. And she, as their relationship develops, he makes her a lot softer, a lot kinder. He makes her a better person. And I like that. I, I just think Penny Marshall was a great director. And she would pin down these roles so well and pull something out really meaningful in the storyline. You know, lots of great scenes, um, great lines as well. You know, towards the end when Josh is kind of getting upset and he's saying to Susan, I want to go home to my family. And she says, I knew it, you're married, right? <laughs> I'm a child within a man's body. Oh, all men are ch- children in a man's body. You know, I love those parallel conversations that are, that are progressing side by side. And they both think there's something totally different. I, I think it's a really nice film. And I think it's, I think it's grown, it's aged well as a film. I like. Yeah, it, it has that that defining eighties quality of it that <clears throat> it is very sort of warm and fluffy, and it has the appeal of like childhood and things being quite a lot simpler, a much simpler time. Uh, the dramatic irony works really well because you know, obviously we know what's going on and seeing yeah. people who don't like you say with those lines that he's given one of my favorites was when <laughs> she wants to come back to his apartment and he, he's uh, obviously oh oh for a sleepover and she's yeah, like, no. yeah and he goes yeah, what yeah. he's like i'm on top and he needs <laughs> the bunk beds right and yeah and I, it's things like that which are just pure like comedy from a great place yeah. um and these films also they they predate the internet or, or like the mass use yeah. of that and they make it more realistic because like if you tried to make this film in 2023, it just wouldn't make sense because no. there's just too much you know, communication and information available. Because yeah. um, what I, I thought was really hilarious as well is like, you know, he's because uh, when he wakes up the next day, his mum is there. She's like, oh my God, like, you know, that she's yeah. been, you know, that someone, this man's in the house yeah, yeah, and yeah. her son goes missing essentially, but yeah. he, he gets away with it. He's like kind of gets away and leaves and then, um, yeah, the boy's friend kind of helps him out, comes yeah. in and sort of looks at, but no one's tailing him. You know, no one's looking no. you know, for him or well, looking for the boy. <laughs> I mean, crazy. you need, yeah, you need to overlook a hole in the plot, really, because there is a hole in the plot between him uh, going missing as a child and the adult version of him going into the New York City to get this job. And in the story, he's kind of he speaks to his mum on the phone. He writes to her. And convinces her that he's being held captive, but everything's fine, you know, yeah. and he'll be back soon. That is a massive hole in the plot if you want to be ultra critical, right? But we don't need to, right? We believe in it. We buy into these characters. We believe it's happening. And that's a tribute to the director. It's a tribute to the writers and the actors that are involved. I think Tom Hanks and and uh, Elizabeth Perkins were excellent together. They work well, well together. What... I think is interesting about this film, though, is that you've got Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Perkins, who whose career trajectories have followed a completely different path. You know, Tom Cruise's career, sorry, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks's career is stratospheric, isn't it? It's gone from strength to strength. Elizabeth Perkins has still got a career. You know, she's still 
making films. She does a lot of TV work these days, but she hasn't become the huge star that Tom Hanks went on to become. Bearing in mind that her contemporaries are Julia Roberts and Demi Moore. It's surprising. Yeah, I think Hanks had clearly, you know, picked some amazing roles. You know, you look at his, you could, you could have, countless episodes of a podcast dedicated just to the film oh, yeah, of Tom Hanks. You know? yeah. um, Elizabeth Perkins, for me, I only really ever remember her from two films, and they're both Christmas-related. Yeah. Um, I think she was in um, The Grinch, one of the yeah. versions of The Grinch, yeah. and she's in Miracle on 34th Street, uh, yeah. the remake. And um, yeah, I think it's funny. And funny enough, John Hurd is in this film as well, who's from... Yeah. The Home Alone films, I yeah. you know, weirdly that I yeah. kind of put this all together, but um, yeah, it's funny how you see these uh, actors back then. Uh, you sort of think, oh, the trajectory of their careers must be going in the same yeah, kind of way. You but think so? They're you? really not. You know, and often yeah. it's, it's very, very different. So I mean, I suppose it could depend on a lot of factors. You know, as you say, Tom. Cr- I said Tom Cruise again. I'm thinking <laughs> about Mission Impossible. I think you're obsessed. I, I know. So, but Tom Hanks you know, has chosen the right films, you know, possibly they were there waiting for him anyway, but it is about making the right choices, isn't it, I guess, you know, the only other film I can remember Elizabeth Perkins being in, off the top of my head, was The Flintstones, you know, and it, oh, yeah, 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 she was in that, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't, you know, her body of work isn't what it should be, because I think she was a, she's a good actor, you know, and that part she played in big, isn't as easy as you think it is. You know, it's not as easy a part to to handle. You know, they both make it look easy. Um, but that's what good actors do. They can make difficult parts look easy. There we go. Um, so that's big, available on Disney Plus currently. Uh, so um, it may change by the time you're hearing this, well, yeah, especially if you're right. hearing this way in the future. If you're listening mm. to this, you know, the world's gone to part. Disney Plus has crumbled, but the only thing left is this podcast. Then it's not available, but we have gone through the film, so at least you can feel like you what you've yeah, seen it. You've heard uh, the best bit. You've heard the best bits at least. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we are going to have a different film for next month's nostalgia pick. I've already picked it because mm-hmm. I've wanted to rewatch this and I've kind of been building myself up to it because as a kid, it absolutely terrified me. All right. Um, it's, oh, listen, I'm going to play the game where I get Brian to guess it. Oh, good then. I love right, doing if you, this. If you must. I'm just going to give you like a couple of clues. So it's yeah. a Spielberg film. So that's All a right. big, big hint. Yeah. Uh, from, from 1975. That's all I'm Ooh. giving you so far. 1975. Oh, uh, oh! Is it Close Encounters? Oh no! Oh, I know, I know. Jaws. Yes, Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I've only seen this film maybe once or twice because I, I found it just it, as a kid, it really shook me up. Um, I now have a fear of open water. Like that is for me the, the scariest thing I could do. If someone yeah. just left me in the middle of open water, like yeah, yeah, not good. So it's on Netflix at the moment. We're going to watch and review Jaws on next month's pod. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. If you have seen it, watch it again. Um, Brian, have you seen Jaws? Yeah, I've I've seen Jaws many times over the years. It's the the type of film that's very watchable. Again, because of the storyline, because really it was quite groundbreaking at the time. And a great cast. You know, you've got Robert Shaw, you've got Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus, 
Topcast. And and something that at the time when it was made had never been made before. No, you know, we'd never seen anything like this before. So <clears throat> it's that kind of film. It's 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 one of, it's a modern classic. And it is probably the film that I think brought Spielberg to people's attention. He'd been making films. He'd made films before that. You know, he made Jewel in 1971, which was his first feature length film. But so he'd been making films for three or four years, but this was the one that really made him, you know, a mega director. They put him out there. So it'd be interesting to watch that film again, just to see exactly what it was that, that broke him in, in such a major way. But great film, though. There we go. So Jaws for next month. Um, Brian, do you want to give us a little uh, taste of what you might be watching? And yeah, reviewing? I mean, three three definites, new Indiana Jones film, new Mission Impossible film, and also Oppenheimer with Killian Murphy, which is the new Christopher Nolan film, which which has, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan has a kind of a history inextricably linked with UK Film Review podcast because he okay. was the first... He was the subject of the very first podcast we we did. Yeah, and um, you know Ian loves Christopher Nolan, so oh, I'm sure he's listening with uh, yeah. <laughs> with intrigue to see what's yeah. going to happen next. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, looking forward to all those. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'll be doing some indie films. We'll be doing a streaming pick as well. So do come back for that episode. And thank you again, Brian, for right. your Pleasure. terrific reviews of all the great films. And thank you to the listeners. Thank you also to the other UK Film Review podders. Uh, there's some other shows out there. Do go and listen to them um, on our channel, wherever you listen to them, you know, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Uh, it's really, really great to connect with you all. So thank you if you listen and are a regular. Um, thank you also if you reviewed the show. We've had some nice reviews on Spotify. If you haven't left one yet, please do. It really means a lot to our team. Um, and yeah, we'll be back again next month with another episode. That's it for now. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.